0: Welcome to Guys Without Helmets, a podcast all about pro and fantasy football. My name is Dave. I'm joined, as always, by my guys Josh and Caleb. This is the week we've all been waiting for. This is the week that NFL football games happen for real. Week 1, episode 24 of Guys Without Helmets and Week 1. Guys, I'm super, super, super excited about this show. We are looking at the schedule. I think it's a awesome... Week, not like last year, where we had several games on Sunday night. We're wondering why these two teams were playing. Let's talk about it. Let's unpack it right off the bat. Thursday night, we've got the Dallas Cowboys visiting the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it.
1: Should be a good game. I mean, I hope that it's a good game because I'm a Dallas fan, but I think Tom Brady usually starts out slow. But I think that being the best defense on that team, that
2: it's going to be a really good game to watch. Yeah, I'm obviously excited to see the return of Dak Prescott. He can't, went down early, obviously early last season. It's going to be good to see him back, and it's good to see that the offense and what's going to look like with him under center with the second year of C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper and obviously Ezekiel Elliott resurgence.
0: Yeah, I think for me as a Cowboys fan, uh, I'm excited the, to see. Obviously, we have a ton of talent. The defense is going to be the question mark. I was telling the guys at work this week, I hope it's a shootout. Because if it's a shootout, one, I think you hit it, Josh. Tom Brady traditionally uh, starts off slow. If you're going to get a bad Tom Brady, it's usually early in the season. Uh, They're a little confident. I know that they're definitely uh, potentially overthinking this whole thing. Uh, In fact, um, Coach this week, if you listen to Bruce Aaron, he made a comment. He said, actually, and I quote, it's a huge challenge. They're loaded, and they do um, all types of things. Uh, I think the threesome might be the best. I'll argue that ours might be, too. Uh, It's a heck of a challenge when you're out there with that many guys, Bruce Aaron said. In other words, the three wide receivers from Dallas Cowboys are going to be hard to cover, and I think that's going to be an exciting matchup. Yeah, well, we get to
2: see possibly the two best wide receiving cores in the league Yeah, as well.
0: I agree with that. What else stands out? What else are you excited to see this week? There's a ton. Yeah, I'm excited to see on Sunday the 430
1: game, the Browns versus the Chiefs. I'm surprised it wasn't a a headline game, like a night game. It's it's going to be a great matchup. Both offenses are stacked. It's going to be a high-scoring game. Hopefully, it's
2: going to be a good game. Patrick Mahomes versus Baker Mayfield in that run game. It's going to be real fun to watch. Yeah, I'm excited to see the Dolphins versus the Patriots. Get to see New England with a new quarterback. Obviously, Cam Newton's gone now. So, we get to see Mac Jones in his first game. We also get to see Tua on his own without Ryan Fitzpatrick behind him. Excited to see the two Alabama quarterbacks face off. They're obviously in the same locker room during their years at Alabama. Tua was the starter at the time. And I'm just interested to see who's going to be better in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I think it's tough for the Bills and Steelers to have each other week one, two perennial playoff teams, I think. Uh, That's going to be a tough matchup. Of course, seeing Sam Darnold with his new team versus old team, lots and lots of things to look forward to. Make sure you check out your local listings. I know it's different unless you have the red zone like us, and you'll be absolutely vibing on every single score. So we want to start some segments off new this season that we're going to give you week after week. The first one that we're going to jump into is a lock of the week. We've looked at the schedule. We don't want to give you obvious ones, but we each have a lock that we think is an absolute can't-miss win this week. Caleb, throw us your lock if you would.
1: You're starting with me. This one's kind of unpopular. I have Arizona over Tennessee. I think that Tennessee will have one of the worst secondaries in the league this year. This is, again, my speculation based off their their death chart right now. Mm-hmm. I think Arizona's they're going to be uncoverable versus Tennessee because of their wide receivers. And Kyler, Mer- Kyler Murray being a two-dimensional quarterback, they're going to have a lot to cover, and I don't think it's possible for them. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I think Arizona's going to win. Okay.
2: What do you think, Josh? Uh, for me, you said it wasn't going to be obvious, but for me, I think it is... Obvious, I'm picking the Kansas City Chiefs over the Cleveland Browns. Mm -hmm. That's not so
0: obvious, by the way.
2: Well, Last time we saw them play, the Kansas City Chiefs barely beat them in the uh, playoffs while they had Chad Henney come in. But the Browns have not won a season opener since 2004, and they did not win, at least from what I saw, at least up from 1996 to 2004. So one win in over 25 years in the season opener. Obviously, the Chiefs are the favorite for the entire season, but the Chiefs have won every season opener under Patrick Mahomes. And in those three years, they put up 34 points, 40 points, and 38 points. Hmm. And I think that there's no difference in this year from the years past.
0: Well, yeah, I, the Chiefs are definitely great uh, at Arrowhead as well. So good, good. Um, for me, I, I'm going Denver over the Giants. I, I'm, I b- think both of these teams are basically going to be middle to lower of their divisions. But for the matchup. Uh, I think that Denver with Teddy Bridgewater and Judy and some of the, the matchups that I see, I don't see a lot of offensive um, power coming from the Giants. I'm pretty sure Saquon is going to probably get the all clear. Yep. He's uh, going to get cleared, but I don't, I don't think he'll get like 25 yeah. carries or anything like that. And I just don't see the firepower in the Giants. So uh, I, I think that you can count on Denver go ahead and winning that one.
2: Yeah, and I believe Denver, they have like the highest win rate for the season opener. With a couple of other teams, it might have changed, but I think that they were one of the highest in the first week.
0: Yeah, I just I just like it. I I don't know, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong. I think Teddy Bridgewater, this could be a good, good solid fit for him because he does like to to throw the ball downfield. I think he's got some weapons, and I think Elway's really excited about him being there.
1: Yeah, he has a top five wide receiver core, in my opinion. He has an O-line, finally. He has a great defense. I mean, he's going to have the keys to the car, and hopefully mm-hmm. this is the best team he's played on, I believe. So I think he's going to be really well for this team.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's great for the Broncos because they're getting an accurate quarterback. He's extremely accurate w- when the football is being thrown closer to him, so he's going to get the ball there when, when when someone's open right next to him, like Jerry Judy. I think that's a great fit for them, and I think that they get a reliable player
0: who finally gets a reliable landing spot where the Panthers were not that Yeah, I think this is just the rubber hitting the road for this season. So good luck. I think Denver will win. Okay, what we also want to talk about with Week 1 are possible upsets. We all have an upset. I'll start. Uh, I think one of the matchups that really stood out to me, Seattle is favored by 3.5 to beat Indianapolis, but I think Indianapolis will pull off the upset. I think Seattle is in that transition where they're starting to lose a ton of players slowly, and Russell Wilson's having to do more and more and put on the cape every week, which he's fully capable of. We've already said that. Good players get theirs. I just don't think it's enough. A healthy Colts team, I think, is going to be hard to handle. That offense is just too explosive. They have a three-headed monster on running back. They have talent at wide receiver position. Obviously, the addition at quarterback. I just think the Colts are too hard to handle.
2: Yeah, I think the obvious question here for, for for why the Seattle Seahawks are the favorites currently is because of the quarterback situation and obviously Quentin Nelson not being there right now. While they're on track now to be there for week one, they weren't, and I think that well, Seattle Seahawks have started out hot with Russell Wilson. He's been MVP candidate for the first few weeks of the year, mm-hmm. traditionally, over the last few years. So I'm excited to see what he can do re- re- week one against one of these harder defenses in Indianapolis.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take mine now, the upset Raiders over the Ravens, oh, okay. which is kind of a hot take, too, but it's an upset. They play Monday night. I think that the Raiders are a great team. I think they're underrated. Their division's very hard. They've always been a good team. A good offense at least under gruden mm-hmm. and playing the ravens they are very banged up wide receiver i think they're on their they're starting their third fourth and fifth string wide receivers and jk dobbins got hurt two weeks ago so their offense is pretty banged up and i think that the raiders are really going to put it on them and they are have to rely on their defense a lot more than they probably think
2: yeah i'm excited to see what that offense is going to do without their lead running back there obviously gus edwards has been there for the last couple of seasons As kind of the second string guy, he had a few games his first year where he was the starter. But I'm excited to see how they change up the passing game. Obviously, with the addition of Rashad Bateman, he's not going to be there for week one. But I think this is, if there's a game that the Ravens could lose, it's definitely with the injuries that they have this early in the season.
0: Okay, and for those of you that are taking note, the Baltimore uh, Ravens are favored by four and a half points to beat Las Vegas, according to Vegas, at the time of this recording at least. So Yeah,
2: you can't sleep on the Raiders. I mean... There's games where they go and they beat the Chiefs, and they usually hold their own in big games like this, so I think it'll be a close game. I think another game they won last year was even against the Saints. So they hold their own against big teams. I think they kind of play up more often than not.
0: Yeah, and I think, to to add to that, they are super dangerous because just as we were going through it last night, Josh, just watching Carr to Waller on highlight reels, if you were an alien doing the eyeball test, you'd think they're the greatest guys in the world because the way they lock up is just out of this world.
1: Yeah, and their offense, I think, is criminally underrated. I mean, they have emerging wide receivers. Criminally. Henry Ruggs could break out. We don't know. Right. Brian Edwards is looking to be the guy at camp right now. Darren Waller, obviously, is a top three at his position. They have a two-headed running back game now, Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, which is really nice. They're becoming
2: more of a two-dimensional team than just a pass-heavy team. And if they could stay healthy, they could be really good. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited to see what this offensive line is losing their their best tackle, and Rodney Hudson, who's now on the Cardinals. They just lost their offensive line for free, basically, and I feel like they've been losing players on defense more often than not for yeah. no reason, just hitting free agency or cutting them. I believe they cut Tanner Muse today, even. So they're losing a lot of depth. Their offensive line is down. I'm just, I want to see what this offense can be, and if Derek Carr is going to be one of the sack, most sacked quarterbacks in the league mm-hmm. this year. And also,
1: they're playing at home for the first time in a, high, a headline game on a Monday night with, with, yep, mm-hmm. with close to full capacity, or full capacity, which is going to be, it's a real good ego boost for the team, and they're going to play up, especially against a hard competitor like the Ravens. Yeah.
2: yeah, Basically, both these teams are down either from injuries or losing players in free agency, and I think it's just going to be, it's, it's a toss-up for what these teams can produce
0: this early. All right, now we're not talking lines. You're saying Vegas is just going to win, period. The Raiders are going to win. I believe so, yeah. Okay. And then, like I said, the line set. At That's my upset. Four and a half. Okay, go ahead, Josh. You have something before we move on to yours. Yeah. Well, I was going to go on to mine, but let's you, do it. No, no, okay. I'm, I'm ready. Let's well, get this upset.
2: My upset of the week is Philadelphia over the Falcons. In my opinion, I don't think this should be an upset. I think the Eagles should be the favorites, but they both have new head coaches, Nick Sirianni and Arthur Smith. The Eagles have one of the highest or one of the best rush defenses in the league. When you look at the Eagles' offense, they obviously have Miles Sanders now, who's healthy to begin the season. He was injured last season. Jalen Hurts is the starter. They notified him of that. And when you look at the Falcons, when it's Falcons defense, they have number one corner, A.J. Terrell, who was a rookie last year. He let up a ton of yards last year. Wasn't super reliable. He let up a ton of yards. Fabian Moreau with the Washington football team last year is now their number two. I just think losing two defensive-minded coaches, the defense already allows about 400 yards Per game with Tennessee t- Tennessee Titans last year, Houston Texans, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Detroit Lions. They were one of the bottom defenses. They're going up against a healthy Eagles team with an offensive-minded head coach and a stout defense. And I just I just don't think Mike Davis can be able to establish the run against this team. I think the passing games in question with obviously a rookie tight end and Calvin Ridley behind Calvin Ridley. You have Olamide Zacchaeus and Russell Gage who haven't been very efficient or explosive. And I just think that if they can somehow put the running game down and only have to rely on Calvin Ridley. I think that's going to be a bad game for the Falcons.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's a great catch because looking at it now that you've said it, I kind of feel like why on earth is Atlanta other than maybe they're at home, but that three and a half is a lot to be at home, you know, just to be an edge for being at home.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's just a lot of uncertainty on both ends. So they just put
0: the, that at home favorite probably. Yeah, no, I would agree. Definitely a good pick, Josh. That's, that's excellent. Okay. One more from the schedule we want to talk about. We want to talk about hot takes of the week Hot takes meaning something that we want you guys to look out for that, that you're going to hear here first that we think is going to be exceptional and happen. Who wants to go first?
1: I'll take it. I think that Ben Roethlisberger. Now, this is a hot take. Don't shoot me. Ben Roethlisberger throws more touchdowns week one in this matchup than Josh Allen.
0: Let's go. Okay. I think
1: Big Ben has a lot left in the tank, especially with all these weapons around him. I mean, he has a new running back that is a receiver. He's yeah. going to get probably five to ten Receiving touchdowns this year if he's healthy. I think Big Ben's underrated because last year we saw him struggle a little bit. He did go 11-0, not because of his arm, but because of the scheme and his defense. But I think now with this new resurgence at running back, it'll open up the offense way more, and he's going to be really productive.
2: Yeah, we've talked a lot about the, the offense being more balanced with the yeah. running game and everything. I think the offensive line's a little bit better than people are giving it credit for. Obviously, they lost a ton of players, but I think David DiCastro was kind of towards the latter of his career. He wasn't doing as well as he usually does, so he's kind of just a name on the offensive line. And they replaced him with Trey Turner in free agency who was consistently a pro bowler when he was on the Panthers. He got released because of money last year, and the Steelers got him for free. So I think that's kind of an upgrade there. As well as center, you can't, you can't do anything about retirement. Mike Pound, or Marquise Pouncey retired, one of the better centers in the league. So I think that's the biggest loss, and I think that they have a, they have a lot of young depth, so I think it's a big question what they're going to do, but I don't think it's as bad as people are saying.
1: Yeah, I think another encouraging thing, for preseason at least, when he was when the first team was out, Big Ben was out, he was throwing the ball really fast. He was getting it out two or three he seconds. Had, he fast the, reads. Sorry, he was one of the fastest releases in the entire NFL. Yeah, I think that offense is going to be different than years past, and he's going to sling it. Deontay and Harris short, and he's going to air it out. Got it's going to be arm tight. great. Torque I, I think there. he's going to be really good, and that's why my hot take, he's going to have more touchdowns than Josh Allen week one.
0: All right, Josh, what about you? What's your hot take coming up for this week?
2: Okay, my hot take is Brandon Ayuk will outscore – as in touchdowns, all of the Lions receivers combined. I think he'll have several touchdowns in this game. Over his last six games last year, excluding the game where he got hurt early against the Cardinals, he had 568 receiving yards and four touchdowns. That's 94 yards per game. That was most in the league. And the Lions have averaged er, allowed over 420 yards per game. And while the the quarterback situation in... in uh, the 49ers is confusing right now Jimmy Garoppolo will more than likely be the starter as it has been last year and last year he was doing this with Nick Mullins so I think it's already an upgrade no matter what the quarterback situation is and the Lions are a brand new team brand new head coach and their cornerback situation is just not good Jeff Okuda was not good being drafted in the top five last year when you look at the other corners I, Amani Oruwari I don't even know who that is and they have two other rookies on the other side. So their cornerback room is not good, and I think that this is an upgrade across the board for Brandon Ayuk, and this is an easy matchup.
1: Yeah, and I just want to parrot that. I had Brandon Ayuk written down for a later thing, but he he averaged 18 fantasy points a game when he was healthy, and he's playing the Lions, which gave up a franchise-worst 6,700 yards last year and over 500 points last year. So they're abysmal. No offense, Lions fans, but I think – they're not getting much better this offseason from last year, so yeah. I think Brandon Ayuk will eat. They didn't do enough to,
0: to correct the problems right. from last
2: no, year. And they don't really have any hope to answer on <laughs> offense either. I mean, Jared Goff, he they have a rookie receiver in a Ross St. Brown, who you think would kind of assume the Cooper Rup, Cooper Cup role, right. but I don't know if he's going to score as many touchdowns as Cup traditionally does, and he'd have to be dumping it off a lot to DeAndre Swift, who is questionable in Week 1. And I just think it's confusing offense, brand-new head coach. The defense is not... The, the, especially the secondary is not what you'd want or expect, especially since Jeff Okuda wasn't the guy that they planned they would have. And I just think it's very up in the air for them. I don't think they're going to be able to do much in week one.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. no, excellent, excellent points. I, the poor Lions. <laughs> to, to say they have no hope. Sell the team. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to put them on the We say it every week at this point. Gosh, I hate it so much. How do you much? give up 6,700 yards in a year? Gosh. I mean – how do, they're just bleeding the, to me the Lions have just been gushing for so long Barry Sanders, 519 points scored just, against them last year yeah
2: and how many sacks is Nick Bosa going to have on Jared Goff uh,
0: guys it's just <laughs> painful like if we look at the schedule and we're seeing such great matchups and great games and there's so many good things that we could just see happening even Miami and New England is such a refreshing if you're, if
1: you're that, a Niners fan it's a great thing to see you play in the Lions week One.
0: Oh man <laughs> <laughs> maybe poor. you'll
1: see Trey Lance in there in the second half I'm
0: kidding. Hopefully, it's not you think that, it's bad. Be that bad. Hopefully, it's not that bad. <laughs> I gosh, man. I, we love Coach. We love Campbell. He's such a cool guy. Sorry, dude. Lions fans. Yeah, gosh. I mean, there's only probably a few of you in Maybe the Maybe they'll prove us wrong, but <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, prove us wrong. I think Lions. outside
2: of Michigan, there's probably 12 fans. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> but anyways, hot take Brandon Ayuk will outscore the Lions. <laughs>
0: Yep. Uh, absolutely. Did I give mine? Should I give mine? Give yours. Oh. Well, mine may or may not be a surprise for you guys, but I have Mac Jones, the rookie starting quarterback for the New England Patriots, the new era for Bill Belichick in New England. I have him outperforming his fellow Alabama Roll Tide alumni, Tua of I think he'll just outgun him across the board. I think he'll be more efficient. I think he'll have more yards. In more. this game. In this game. Yeah. In this week only we're doing this week i can't predict the rest of the week the rest of the year yet but mac jones will outperform tua this week that is my hot take
2: how much hype do you think would be around mac jones if that happens
0: you know what the guy is there any ever hype around the guy who looks like a dad he's super chill like what? he's the least hype guy in the world <laughs> he's, i don't know he's perfect his for the stroll Patriots. when he got drafted <laughs> that was a stroll yeah a waltz. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what to call. I, I like the kid. The more he's, uh, the more I see him, the more I think he's perfect for Belichick, and I think he's a football, you know, like throwback. Yeah, I think it's just
2: they finally got their consistent playmaker under center because Cam Newton was. I believe I was in the Bills game or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Bills game where he, they were basically going to win the game if he could just get to the goal line and they could take a knee or they could run in a one-yard touchdown. They were five yards out or whatever, and Cam Newton fumbled doing his own run on the sideline. So I think. Once you get a consistent guy that's not going to be running the whole time, a consistent guy that get deliver the ball on time and where it needs to be, as we said in the preseason, he had I believe he had the highest, or he was the number one quarterback as in all of his balls are catchable right. and perfect. Efficiency. He, he was perfect in the preseason, and I think that's very exciting to see what he does in this first game.
1: Yeah, and Bill Belichick has been running a oiled machine out there. I mean, imagine trying to fix a car and you get the wrong model part you're putting in your car it's not going to work cam newton didn't fit that offense as much as obviously tom brady but mac jones is more of a tom brady than a cam newton so they're, they're filling that role that tom brady was i'm not saying mac jones yeah. is tom brady obviously
2: that's exactly what i was going to say is the consistency is what they need because there's so many games where cam newton could have won like the seattle game where he went to go for the leap or whatever he kind of got taken out of it was the a air. great game though it was a great game and it was probably his best game of the year but i think there's there's situations where mac jones can execute obviously in practices he's been doing better in the red zone i think that's one of the bigger keys that why he's the starter as well as there's there's a rumor going around that Cam Newton, or not Cam Newton, Mac Jones was teaching Cam Newton the playbook.
0: Right, which he had it on his little fanny pack, remember? Cam had it right there for the world to see right on his little fanny pack. It was very cool.
2: And I think Cam kind of more relied on his physicality and yeah. his, his athleticism more than. Yeah,
0: and I, I think I, I'm glad to hear you say that because my, my thoughts on this is that Cam is an instinctive player. Bill Belichick and his Patriots are very cerebral. He wants to know that you know, and he wants to know that everybody knows. And when you do that, that's the Patriot way. And Cam Newton is very much instinctive, fly by the hip. You know, it can be very exciting like that, but it can also be very disappointing. He's very
1: good. He's just not for the system. He's
0: not a cerebral quarterback. Right. He's an athletic quarterback. He makes up
1: for his mistakes on the field with his athleticism, and it works a lot of the times, but in that system, it didn't work.
0: Yeah, and, and no, we can't predict the next Tom Brady. Obviously, that's ridiculous. But Tom Brady is very cerebral, more so than people realize. And that's why he can continue to be as good as he is at the age that he is. So, Mac Jones, go out there and outperform Tua and make me right this week, buddy. <laughs> All right, we're going to move into another segment for week one, which we're going to do week after week here. A segment where we will talk about waiver wire players that you might want to keep an eye on. segment called Educated Guess.
1: Yep, this is called Educated Guests because who knows? These are players that... We've looked into and have figured out they could be good enough to start on your roster, but just for right now, the season hasn't started. Keep an eye on them because we don't want to cut someone on your roster for them just yet. So starting at number five, I'm doing five of them. Number five, Olamide Zaccheaus. He's a wide receiver for Atlanta. Currently, he's 0% owned in Yahoo, which means he's owned in less of 1,000 leagues, so he doesn't get that percentage. He's 24 years old. He's 5'8", 194. He's on the Falcons, and Matt Ryan averages 573 attempts a year which is a ton. And Julio Jones, we all know, got traded. That frees up an average of 132 targets a year. So there's a, a ton of targets up for grab. Obviously, Kyle Pitts is going to grab some of them. Sure,
2: Russell Gage, Calvin Ridley. Yeah, and we were talking about it earlier with the Falcons. There's kind of Kyle Pitts, who's a rookie, Calvin Ridley, who's the number one. Russell Gage, who had targets last year but was not efficient at all. He was just catching the football more or less and then you have Olamide Zaccheaus who's listed as the wide receiver three right now and I think that he's if he's able to consistently play at number three receiver this is a team that runs the most the three wide, or four wide receiver sets in the NFL he's gonna get a lot of playing time and I think that with this offense and with the pass attempts that Matt Ryan as you were saying has in the seasons he's gonna be very valuable at some point a big splash player yeah and he's
1: pretty decent last year he had 13.7 yards of reception which is fairly good and he, he only started I believe four games as the starter with Julio out very consistent, very reliable. He could get, he played in the slot in college, and now he's playing on the outside, so he can play anywhere if he's needed to. Really consistent guy, so just keep an eye on him. Next, I'm moving to number four, Tylen Wallace. He's wide receiver for Baltimore. He is a rookie. He's also 0% rostered. He's 5'11", 195, and he plays like he's 7 feet tall. He runs a 4'5". He had a 60% catch rate in college. He plays massive. He plays really big, high points a ton. That's most of his highlights if you watch him play. He's climbing a ladder and mossing on somebody. He was 32% of the target share at Oklahoma State, so he had a ton of volume. He had 27 touchdowns. And now, as we talked about earlier with the Ravens, Watkins is banged up, Brown's banged up, Bateman's on IR. Their offense is really skimpy right now.
2: Yeah, sorry, I have something I wanted to add is that Tyler Wallace... He fell in the draft because of an injury that he suffered in college, a torn ACL. Obviously, that pushes down a lot of players during the draft process, and I think that this is the reason why he saw him go so late. He is one of the better route runners in the entire draft, from this last draft that just happened, and I think that he was a great value. So I think while there's a ton of injuries, as we were stating before, this could be a great spot for him to step up. Yeah, and for fantasy, all you really, really want is upside. And he has a ton of
1: upside. He high points. He runs great routes. So he could get a lot of volume in this offense. It all depends on how Greg Roman wants to run it with these three other guys being injured. So it's just keep an eye on him. He could be really good for you and pay out. Just watch him week one and see what happens. So moving to number three, Chris Evans, Captain America, 40 years old, started acting in 1997. No, I'm just kidding. He's a rookie from Michigan. He's a running back. He's on the Bengals. He's 5'11", 210. He plays really big. He runs over people. He can catch really well. He ran an unofficial 4-4, and he averaged 5.6 yards a rush in college, and he had 50 catches and averaged 10 yards a catch. So he's a dual-threat running back. He is behind Joe Mixon,
2: but he's a great handcuff because if Joe Mixon goes down, he's going to get a bulk of everything. Yeah, he played extremely well in the preseason. For the Bengals and he's he is assuming that Giovanni Bernard role in this offense he's he does everything really well, and I think that he got pushed down because of the Michigan offense. We saw players like Donovan Peoples Jones, who got drafted late last year, number one recruit in, out of high school, and he's been very well or very good for the browns. He hasn't been getting a lot of playing time because of the two guys ahead of him, but he is going to be a good player in this league as well as Nico Collins, who went in the third round. He could have gone higher, but he never got the volume in college and then you obviously have chris Evans who. Got held back in Michigan and then immediately comes to the preseason and looks like an even better player. And then, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I, I think he's one of the top handcuffs because if Joe Mixon does get hurt, which historically he has, he's only played I believe 20 games in four years, so it's not
0: encouraging. And I know they don't do committee in Cincinnati, but they do let other. Guys they, yeah, they have the the a the change of pace back
1: regularly. It was Gio Bernard, but now he's on Tampa Bay. He's one percent rostered in Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Chris Evans, and he reminds me a lot of Damian Williams when he was on the Chiefs. A guy that can do everything. He's not an elite talent, but he can do everything great, and he's going to get some snaps on the field because of that. So I'm moving on to number two, Josh Palmer, rookie from Tennessee. He's drafted to the Chargers, wide receiver. He's 3% owned. I don't know why. I'll tell you why you should pick him up. He's 6'2", 2'10". He plays very big. He catches 70% of his balls, and 70% of his balls were first downs in college. So he's very efficient. PFF compared his intangibles, like, route running and where the angles he plays on the field to Jordy Nelson. It's kind of a stretch. But Jordy Nelson wasn't the best talent, but he knew where to be and what to do on the field, and that's why I see in this guy he's physical. He matches the corner's aggression. So if the corner's super aggressive, he's going to match that and overpower them. He had no quarterback in college, effectively. I don't even know the name of the Tennessee quarterback. So now he's moving to an offense with Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert threw 4,000 yards and 31 touchdowns last year. As a rookie. Yeah, as a rookie. But there's a ton of opportunity for Josh Palmer in the system.
2: Yeah, and something I wanted to say about Josh Palmer is he played for Tennessee. That's also where Marquez Callaway played, mm-hmm. who is now going to be the wide receiver one for the Saints while uh, Michael Thomas is out. And I think that's something to add because he didn't. they weren't even starting Marquez Callaway because of Josh Palmer. And that's while he's the number three on the Chargers and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are still there, this is going to be a high-passing offense with one of the best quarterbacks in the league, for fantasy at least. And I think that he's going to get a lot of opportunities on this offense, as you were saying.
1: Yeah, and I know it's a ton of information about these guys real Mm -hmm. fast, but that's kind of the point of the segment. Josh Palmer on the Chargers will be the wide receiver two or three, depending on the industry. Or not the industry. (laughs) The injuries. (laughs) Injuries. To to, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, they both get banged up pretty often. One of two of them. Keenan Allen has hamstring
2: problems, and Mike Williams is usually sidelined for two or three games a year. Yeah, Mike Williams is a splash player as well. He's probably – you might see Josh Palmer get many more targets than Mike Williams, but Mike Williams will be the splashy – big-time player that they need in certain moments.
1: Yeah, this guy, I think, and this is just my thought, he's going to be very reliable with this team, especially with Herbert. Herbert last year had 31 touchdowns with Keenan Allen and a bunch of free agents. He can make anybody good, and I think this guy's actually a talented receiver. Yeah. Yeah, they drafted him in the third round, I think the 77th pick overall. So they drafted him pretty high enough to use him, and he's going to be used.
2: Yeah, they drafted him pretty high, as well as showing their commitment to him. They cut the one competitor on this roster to him in Tyron Johnson. He got released for a roster spot just because they think they didn't need him. So Josh Palmer has certainly locked down that wide receiver three position. And for the reason that I stated before and the reason that you said, I think he should be a pickup as well.
1: Yep. We're moving on to the last one. Quez Watkins, wide receiver for Philadelphia. I am extremely high on this guy. He is two percent owned in leagues, so he's probably on your waiver ride right now. Second year player out of Southern Miss. He's six foot one ninety-three. He averaged 15.1 yards in college. Guess what his average yards per catch in the NFL is right now. Just guess. Throw out a number. Including preseason? Yeah, just throw out a number. Oh. uh, 16. 15.1. He averaged the same yards per catch (laughs) in college and the NFL last year, which is very consistent, very good sign. He runs a 4-3, so he's flying. Most of his yards come after the catch. He's a big yak guy. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get too hype on him, but he reminds me a lot of Beckham, how he can take the ball and just stretch the field. thats it, kind of a hot take, but when the quarterback – It's a hot take. Yeah, when the quarterback – I'm not saying he's Beckham. No, no. He I'm plays not, like I'm Beckham. Not. Yeah. He can high point the ball very well. He's aggressive. He can catch on people. The average quarterback passer rating that people have when they threw to him was 107, wow. which is very high. Oh, yeah. I compare him to Tyler Lockett. Oh, he's a slot guy. He's quick. He can run every route, catch on people. And Tyler Lockett also, last year, recorded the highest passer rating for a season that a quarterback would throw into a receiver. I think it was like 100. It was a perfect passer rating. I don't know what the right. number is. But Quez Watkins is really good. He's a field burner. He's super fast. Contested catches. And I think on the Eagles, it's going to be really good because of the dump offs they're going to have. They have a questionable O-line. They have a really fast-paced offense with a two-dimensional quarterback in Jalen Hurts. He's going to get used a lot for dump offs, and he's very... Very efficient yards after the catch. So he's going to get
2: dump-offs at the, the line of scrimmage, and he's going to be able to take off. Yeah, this team's kind of lacked explosiveness. Other than Miles Sanders has been one of the more explosive backs in the league, they obviously have Devontae Smith now, who's going to be the wide receiver one. They also drafted Jalen Rager, who has not been reliable with injuries or in games. And I think that when you look at Zach Ertz, who's going to be staying here for the rest of his career, he said he's a reliable catcher, but he's not explosive. And I think that Quez Watkins adds that key to this offense. With Miles Sanders if he's healthy and I think the biggest problem for this team has been injuries and I think that now that they're healthy in week one and then Travis Fulgham getting released from last year who was hot last year this speaks a lot for what Quez Watkins is and he's going to take over that wide receiver three role maybe even wide receiver two if Jalen Rager doesn't improve yeah I think he's definitely going to take this
1: second year leap with this offense he is the starting slot receiver so he's going to be on the field majority of the game he's really talented just take a look at him if he's on your waiver wire Keep an out for keep an eye out for all five of these guys because they could win you some games.
0: Excellent, good information. Thanks, Caleb. We're going to move into another segment uh, for Week One. Talked about buy or sell. We're going to start it off here with a
2: running back, James Conner. Do you think that he will be the lead back in Arizona? Whew, that's a tough question. I think he he's had over four yards per carry in his career.
1: He's had some injury concerns, obviously, and he's on a team that Kyler Murray does snipe a lot of rushing touchdowns. For me personally, I'm going to sell. I think it's going to be tough for him to be that productive because Chase Edmonds in front of them. I know Chase Edmonds was not effective on the goal line last year, but I think with Kyler Murray sniping all these touchdowns at the goal line, it's going to be difficult for him to be very relevant for fantasy.
0: Uh, Yeah, James Conner is not a consistent running back in the NFL. If you look at his numbers, um, there's a reason that Pittsburgh didn't keep him around. So I'm not particularly hyped, so much so on my fantasy leagues this year. I've kind of avoided him. I realize that he and Chase are going to... Share, but I think that Chase will get the Lions' share of those carries. So I'm going to sell. I think James Connor has seen his better days behind him.
2: Okay. I'm, I'm going to say bye. I think that he'll be the lead runner for this team. Chase Edmonds over his last three years has rushed for seven touchdowns over those three years. And as we saw, Ken, Kenyon Drake, who's the lead back last year, was top three in rush attempts on the goal line. And when you look at James Connor over the last three years, he had 22 rushing touchdowns over those three years versus Chase Edmonds, seven. And James Conner missed 12 games. So I think the biggest question here is, is James Conner going to play? And if James Conner doesn't play, obviously it's Chase Edmonds' backfield. Mm-hmm. But I think what they've shown us for Chase Edmonds not getting any carries in the goal line having very few touchdowns over those seasons, I think that he's just not going to be the lead back on the goal line. I think that if the rushing touchdowns do not go to Kyler Murray, they're going to be James Conner's. So you all both said
0: sell? Yep. We both said sell. Yeah. Selling James Conner. I'm not sure that Chase is their answer either, but looking at his numbers, I mean, I feel like Conner, he had 900 yards three years ago, and he's been declining ever since. His average is not great. Like you said, he did have those touchdowns, but he had 12 in 2018, then only four, then only six, which is clearly a decline from when he was in his peak three years ago. I just, I just don't like him enough to put him on a fantasy roster. Yeah.
2: Well, what I think at least, is when we saw with the Steelers last year, the, the offensive line obviously was declining. DeCastro isn't the guy that he used to be. At Villanueva started getting expensive, and he wasn't playing as well as he did the years prior. And then Marquise Pouncey's retiring. So James Conner's been injured, and then when he goes to this team, he now has an improved offensive line with Rodney Hudson. This team traditionally runs up the middle, and I think that he has some great blockers in the middle interior offensive line, and I think that's going to be well or bode well for the running game. And I think if James Conner gets the number one role, which I think he will because of what they've shown us with Chase Edmonds. I think that he'll be scoring a ton of touchdowns, but I think he's not going to be an efficient thousand-yard rusher or anything like that because that wasn't what Kenyon Drake was. And I just think that if he's he's the lead back, he's going to be because of touchdowns. Okay. Okay, for number two, do you all think that Ezekiel Elliott will return to top five running back to be a top five running back? I
1: am buying Ezekiel Elliott. I think that with Dak
2: back, they are going to be a top
1: five offense. And I think, I mean, you look at Ezekiel Elliott in his career so far, over the past half decade, he's been a top three rusher in yards and productivity. He's a top five rusher still. I think last year was a throwaway because of the injuries and the new coach and the COVID season and all that and the fumbling problems. I don't think he repeats that. I think he gets right back on track where he was two years ago.
0: Yeah, I have to echo It's very simple to me. Healthy Dak equals a better Zeke. It's just it. it, It's a no-brainer. Also, for people that think that his numbers have dropped off ridiculously, they really haven't. I mean, he had nine hundred seventy-nine yards last year. He was very close to that in twenty seventeen. So he's had years, you know, where he's on and off, not completely up or down. To be be fair, he missed
2: missed six games in twenty seventeen.
0: He he did. Um, and his attempts are certainly down. But then again, we saw three receivers that were eating it up last year and were desperately trying to stay in games and playing from behind really hard to run the football when you're playing from behind Um, so I think again healthy Dak equals better Zeke I think that he is in fact going to just be made better by the fact that his quarterback's there the pressure is going to be taken off and you then you're not going to know if they're going to hand the ball to Zeke or if they're going to pass instead of playing from behind like last year
2: yeah yeah I think you've never seen we've never seen Ezekiel Elliott without Dak Prescott and when we saw him last year at least People think he fell off magically after week five. But in those games with Dak Prescott, he had 27.7 points, 20 points, nearly 20 points again, 20 points, and 23.5 points. He was on pace to be a top five back and even closer to top three back last year. And I just think that you're going to see that again with Ezekiel Elliott. As you said, in 2017, he kind of had an off year, and that was because he missed his first six games. And in his his first game back, I believe, against the Broncos, he had the worst game he's had in his career. He had a negative yards game.
0: Yeah, and I was going to say with that, his averages, though. He averages around four yards of carry consistently, 4.0, 4.5, 4.7, 4.1, one year at 5.1. So he's averaging 4.5. Last year he was on pace. And that's what I was going to say, even with the time missed and the low numbers statistically. And the anomaly in 2019 was 12 touchdowns. Normally it's six, six, seven. Like he's not always a, a touchdown rusher either.
2: Yeah, he's on a top three offense. He has a top five quarterback. He's been, he's been one of the leading rushers in the league in the years that he was – or where he wasn't suspended a and last year he was always been a top 5 running back. He's one of the most or one of the highest rushing totals in the league as well as get, as well as getting a ton of receptions. We saw with Leonard Fournette a couple of years ago. He wasn't efficient, couldn't get on the goal line, but I believe he had one of the highest receiving totals for the running backs and that's what made him a top tier back and I think everything is up for Ezekiel Elliott and I just think that he did not fall off magically just when Dak went down.
0: So we all buy Ezekiel all buy buying got it. We're all buying.
2: And on to the next one is Sam Darnold the real deal. I oof this is a tough one for me.
1: <laughs> I think not, it's not for me. Right, I ahead. think he's better than what the what they've had at the Panthers, but I'm going to sell him for him being their guy. I, one of the reasons was watching the preseason game. I know it's preseason, but we watched the backup Steelers defense. Destroy their starting O line. Like it wasn't. It was kind of sad to see.
0: In fairness, a backup Steeler is better than a lot of. I understand that, but
1: playing in that division with the Saints and Tampa Bay, I think it's going to be real hard for him. I'm I'm going to have to sell Sam Darnold. I think it's good that they have him in there with Robbie Anderson, people he's like well aware of. But I don't think that he is the answer. I think he's going to be better than
2: Teddy Bridgewater in that system. But I just don't think he's their guy permanently. Yeah, and going with the O-line, they've lost players, as we said before, like Trey Turner, and now they have they have John Miller, who's out on the COVID list for this week, so they're going to need Deontay Brown, the rookie, to start at right guard. Their offensive line, Matt Paradis was getting beat against the Steelers. Taylor Moten was getting beat against the Steelers. It's just not, it's not what you want to see for this offensive line in matchups like that, and they have new names at the tight end position, like Dan Arnold, and they have Sam Darnold, obviously. I think the biggest thing is Christian McCaffrey. He hasn't had a running back like that on the Jets, and he's going to have a reliable option to dump off to it takes whenever. takes so
0: much pressure off when you know the guy is a gangbuster running the football.
1: I think for the first game of the year, he's playing the Jets, which is kind of a revenge game. Woo! Yeah. But I think it's going to be looking good for Sam Darnold because it is a revenge game, and the Jets have lost a lot of their pass rushers this offseason. It's been brutal for them. So I think they're going to look pretty decent week one, but I think that's going to be a – a false alarm. I think that they that they're going to struggle with that O-line being so skimpy and it's going to be really hard for Sam Darnold to be productive.
0: Yeah, anyone close to me who has watched me watch football, watch how disgusted I get at Adam Gase having the keys to any car in the NFL. And he's had the keys to a shiny car down in Miami that he ruined, and he had the keys to, you know, this New York Football Jets team. Um just as simple as, as Dak equals healthy Zeke. Adam Gase ruined this man. And I don't think the damage is done. I think that he can be coached up. I think he can be better. I think the question is, will he respond to the change of environment favorably? He, like you said, he has certainly has more weapons. And CMC's my guy. You know how much I love this guy. I, I beg and barter in fantasy every year and do pretty well with him. Uh, I think he's in a better environment with a quality owner now, a guy who came out of that Steeler system who owns the team, and a better coach. And I think they, if you if you watch the stuff behind the scenes and watch what they're doing – I think they're quietly putting together something they're very happy about, and that gives me a little hope that he will get better. How much better? I don't know. I'm buying just because I think uh, he's an upgrade, and I think for now everybody on board believes he's the man, and that alone gives a confidence boost.
1: Yeah, I understand what you're saying about the buying part. I am not. I disagree, but I think being with Joe Brady and that good offense, fast-paced offense, and all the weapons around him, with the new receiver in Terrace Marshall and Robbie Anderson and McCaffrey and – yeah, I think Sam Darnold is in a better spot he's ever been in his entire NFL career. But I still think with that O line, it's going to be too big for him to overcome. Especially, like I said before, playing against both people in his division, the Saints and the Buccaneers.
2: So you have one buy and one sell. Yep. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with sell. He's he's never had over 20 passing touchdowns, and he's only ever had a season with double digit interceptions. He's right. not been efficient in the NFL. I know when you look at him from a technical standpoint he looks like a good quarterback if you're looking at what he does without throwing the football and I think that's the biggest problem is he's going to a team and now in his fourth year that is not a winning team they obviously have Matt Rule and Joe Brady the offense is much better without Adam Gase but I don't know if he's going to have this same type of revival that Ryan Tannehill had because Ryan Tannehill was already successful in that awful system and Sam Donald was not.
0: Yeah, no, I don't, I don't disagree. And you're right. We talked about in weeks past that we really want to see like a three-to-one ratio for touchdown interception with quality quarterbacks. And you're right. Career, he's at 45 touchdowns, 39 interceptions, which is dangerously close to one-to-one. To one. Uh, but again, it's coaching and scheme and, and learning and and I, you know I, I think that does matter.
2: Yeah, I think the biggest problem is because there is so much attachment to him coming into the draft process. So many people had him as QB one. So many people had him as go, going as the number one pick, and people were comparing him to Peyton Manning and other high, Colin high, <laughs> other high quarterback or high quarterbacks like Peyton Manning. And I think that that's just so many people got burned, and so many people are holding on to that. The, the ideas and points that they had on him when he came in as a rookie, and I think that they just won't let go of it yet. So I think this is the year, and I just don't think that he's going to prove that he is the guy. I don't think he'll respond fully uh, to I, the new environment? I do not. I think it's he'll obviously be better. Everything we said, everything that he has now is better than what the Jets had, and I think that he's going to be better. I just do not think that he's a career option. And for the next one, DeAndre Swift, do you agree that his value should be around the fourth or fifth round where it is right now, or do you
0: think that it should be lower? I don't think he's bad. I think the injury is easy to lose faith, lose stock. And I do know that Coach expects him to be an impact, he said, in both the passing and the rushing game. So I think they're super excited. Uh, according to Sleeper, he's currently RB16 with an ADP of 27.9 and half PPR formats. So there's a lot of things that are pulling you in the direction that, that he could be. For me, he's a sell. Uh, he's part of a committee. That's the bottom line. And Jamal Williams, to me, is the RB1 that will emerge on that team, not Swift. So I'm saying so. It's pretty hot take
1: I think DeAndre Swift, if you ask anybody last year before the draft, he's the one or two running back coming to the draft from that class. I still agree with that. I think that well, for fantasy, Dobbins is better, but he's injured, and Swift's clearly the healthy one. Or maybe he's healthy, maybe he's not. I'm just kidding. I think he's on a terrible roster. There are injury concerns, but I think you shouldn't be concerned about his groin because it happened months ago and it was, I believe, a grade one or grade two strain, which Jamal Adams, last year, safety for Seahawks, he had a grade two strain and he missed six, seven weeks, six, two, seven. So he was back. So even if it was serious, which it doesn't sound like it is because they're taking their time he's practicing, he's doing some good things in practice, and I think he's he'll be back by week one, but... I think the week one matchup is a different reason why he's not going to play much because they're playing the Niners, which is a tough team to play against. So you're buying. I'm buying. I think DeAndre Swift is amazing. I think he's the only viable fantasy option on this team, the Lions. I think he's really good. I think don't fade him because it's injury. I think fade him more because it's week one matchup. But And you don't see Jamal Williams being a threat to Jamal this. Williams is great, change of pace back. He's going to get a lot of goal line carries. But I think DeAndre Swift last year had over 10 touchdowns, and he barely played. So I think he's way better than Jamal
2: Williams. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly buying. I think, as you said, with the, the groin injury, I believe they gave him extra time off from the groin injury so that he could not mess it up again. And I think the concern was that he's not conditioned enough to it's, – it's a concern, it's not true – but conditioned enough to be ready for week one. So the groin was no longer the issue from what it sounds like. I believe Dan Campbell is referring it to it now as a, a sore groin. Not a groin tear, groin injury like that. And I think that what you're getting in DeAndre Swift is extreme efficiency. That's that's super valuable in the in the late third to fourth round, even fifth round now for some reason. And I think when you look at him, in week one, last year he had three attempts, one touchdown, and he had over twelve points in fantasy, and he had twelve the next week, and this is all without having over fifty or more snap or fifty percent or more snaps. He had fifty or more snaps in six games, and he had ten touchdowns, and he was extremely efficient and I think that you cannot fade that type of player that late, especially with the type of role that he's going to be getting as a starter. I think Jamal Williams is a a B role player. I mean, when you look at the Aaron, or Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, he was obviously and clearly the number two option. He got drafted over Aaron Jones, and Aaron Jones still beat him out because talent prevails. And I think that he is just not better than DeAndre Swift. He was drafted at the top of the second, and I think that his he is he's a bigger value because everyone's scared of the the schedule and his injuries, which his injuries, I think, are kind of more overblown. And I think that the schedule is not a problem because the team's going to be so bad that the the garbage time is where he's going to make his money. And I think that for fantasy especially, you should not be fading DeAndre Swift. And for for the last one, we're going to go to, Will Jerry Judy be the wide receiver one in Denver?
1: Yeah, I believe he will. He already has a connection with Teddy Bridgewater, as all the beat writers are saying. He's one of the best players in that division, arguably for wide receiver. He's the best route runner on his team. He's clearly going to be the best receiver on this team. I know Cortland Sutton's there. I know there's a couple other guys, but Cortland Sutton's going to be more of that that deeper threat guy. He's going to be more of that. He's going to be m- more appealing based off his plays. But I think Jerry Judy gets way more volume, and he's a better talent than Cortland Sutton.
0: Yeah, I think it's an easy buy for me, too. ESPN has him number two on their list of top 15 breakout players. Uh, I think he's there for a reason. Uh, Obviously, he was drafted 15th overall for a reason. He is one of the best route runners in the league. Uh, I just watched a video on him recently. Fire coming off the line. I don't see how he's not clearly their number one. Uh, He could be a number one on a lot of teams. I'm buying all day.
2: Yeah, he's visibly... Visibly great and visibly a great route runner. And I think last year what we saw from him, he had over 16 yards of catch, only three touchdowns, but he only had 50 receptions. He was top three in uncatchable targets from Drew Locke and the backups. And when you look at the type of role that he's in, he's going to be in the role that, uh, that Robbie Anderson had with Teddy Bridgewater. And as we saw Robbie Anderson, he had 136 targets, 95 catches, over 1,000 yards. Typically not what Robbie Anderson does. And (laughs) Jerry Judy's a much superior player in the same role. And I think that we saw games from Robbie Anderson, 114 yards, 109, 112, 77, 94, 84, getting a ton of yards, ton of targets. And I think that he's going to be getting the same thing, but he's a much superior player with a
0: better team okay so i'm gonna play devil's advocate for us because because guys you just said a couple weeks ago the metric for a great wide receiver is 100 reception um, uh, a year a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns he had 52 856 for yards and three touchdowns all other than yards pretty low on our own metric for a great wide receiver how do you argue against people who say that
2: i'm i I wouldn't say that that's necessarily my metric i think that no matter how many catches you get, it's more of a security thing. If you're the number one receiver, you're going to be getting a ton of, t- ton of touches, ton of receptions, ton of targets, and I think that it's harder to get 10 touchdowns. As we saw last year, even players like Justin Jefferson and DeAndre Hopkins did not hit that. So I think that he is the secure target guy, as we said with Robbie Anderson, who is not a wide receiver one, and that's what I was trying to explain with He's going to be getting this type of targets that Robbie Anderson gets, but he's a far superior player. And as you said, he's extremely efficient, only getting 52 catches on 856 yards. So I think that when the ball is accurately delivered to Jerry Judy, we'll get to fully see what his yard after catch ability is, and I think that he's going to
0: thrive. Yeah, I think Denver in general are pointing in the right direction for sure. So I agree. I think that Jerry Judy – I think we all bought that one, right? We all bought. Yeah, definitely. All right, we're going to move into our last segment. Before we leave week one, we want to give you players that we recommend that you start this week and players that you probably should not on a little segment we call Hot and Cold. So, Caleb, I'm going to ask you right out of the gate, who's hot? A hot guy for fantasy. For fantasy. For fantasy.
1: Brandon Ayuk, we talked about it in the first segment. He's playing against the Lions. They gave up the worst yards in their franchise history. Sixty-seven hundred yards and f- almost five hundred twenty fan or er, actual points scored against them last year. Brandon Ayuk is the number one on San Francisco. He's amazing. He averaged eighteen fantasy points a game last year. I don't think the Lions can hold him back. I really don't. I think he's going
2: to be really hot week one. Yeah, especially with him now having a starting quarterback because last year he had Nick Mullins. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nick at night. Nick, Nick, say no I mean, more. I mean, look at how look at how good the system is though. When you look at players like Nick Mullins who did pretty decent. He, he was he was a backup quarterback but he goes to the eagles in the preseason and he looks like some guy that just signed off the street he couldn't do anything right. so i think that it's a definite upgrade at quarterback position and as i said my hot take for a and iuk is that he's going to outscore the lions yeah but for me uh my my flex or my my hot here is marquise brown versus las vegas Raiders. their team is obviously hurt they lost jk dobbins and justice hill and that their team's just injured and he Las Vegas allowed over 390 yards per game, and uh, Marquise Brown had eight touchdowns, or eight, he had a touchdown eight out of 16 games, so basically every other game is scoring a touchdown, and I think that this passing game is going to open up a lot more versus a team that allows a ton of yards, a ton of touchdowns. I think this is a great spot for him to thrive when they have to lean more on the passing game.
0: All right, who else do you have? Anybody hot that you want to recommend for owners? Josh, go ahead.
2: For me, I was just going to say Jalen Hurts. I think the upset that I said earlier was Eagles over Falcons. Mm-hmm. He averaged over 23.75 fantasy points per game. They're going against a terrible defense that allows over 400 yards a game. And I just think that everything's pointing for them and the Eagles. I think they're a better team than the Falcons. They have The Falcons have they lost both defensive coaches. Now they have an offensive coach. And the, off, the defense did not get better this offseason. They brought a lot of people to the Cowboys with Dan Quinn. So I think Jalen Hurts is going to hit in this game.
1: Yeah, I also have an eagle that's going to be high. I have Quez Watkins. I talked about him earlier. Obviously, I'm high on him. But he's playing Atlanta. They allowed almost 200 yards a game to slot receivers and tight ends. Quez Watkins plays in the slot. He runs a 4-3. He's going to get a lot of targets. I think Atlanta's not going to know what to do with them, especially when you're talking Jalen Hurts as a two-dimensional back and with the run game with Miles Sanders and the other receivers there. I think Quez Watkins will go off.
2: Yeah, they'll, they'll both go off. A.J. Terrell allowed one of the most or most yards as a cornerback. Most yards allowed from for going against receivers. He allowed the most right. yards. Right. Fabian Moreau, same guy. So they have two corners that just cannot cover, and I think that the Eagles are going to hit on all cylinders in this game.
0: All right, so these are players that you should probably consider not putting in your lineup this week.
2: For Mike Cole, the first guy,
1: Kenny Galladay, he's on the Giants. I know he got a bunch of money. But last year we saw the Giants throw eight touchdowns. Not exciting at all. all. That's all year, folks. Yeah, all year. Eight touchdowns. All Daniel year. Jones. But Kenny Galladay, he's in a new system. He's barely practiced because he's had some issues with his legs, which isn't new. But he's playing against Denver with Patrick Sertain, who's there. He's going to get number one coverage. And Surtain's looking like a lights-out corner right now as a rookie and kenny galladay i just don't like his injury history or the attention he's going to get from the defense and i don't like daniel jones at all so i'm saying fade galladay week one against denver until we see what he can do at least a potential buy candidate later though yeah uh, he's a buy low yeah. after this week if he's terrible just because, talking
0: about this week yeah hot yeah. and cold yep. his
2: adp is already so low people are already off him. i can't dish him out in any of my leagues right now because he's that low uh, for me, I've been talking about these teams a lot. Mike Davis versus Philly for me is a cold. I know you might have drafted him in the fifth or sixth round, but this position, his position on this team is kind of getting murky with the addition of Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman's a great all-around back. When we saw him took over for Saquon Barkley last year, he was efficient and he was good. And I think that he's he, he hasn't had a season over 170 carries, and he hasn't had last year. He had four games over 60 rushing yards. And that was against the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons detroit and arizona all awful defenses and beyond that he couldn't do much he was getting the goal line work that christian mccaffrey was getting and the receiving work and i think that's that's all he can rely on in this game against one of the top rush defenses and i just don't think that he's going to be the same or same type of guy that he was last right
1: year. one more i have sony michelle he just got traded to the rams he's a new player there McVay, ever since Gurley has left, he's run a committee, but he's always had two or three backs running. I think Sonny Michelle falls in this Malcolm Brown role that they've had there. I think he's going to be, he's not going to be great for fantasy at all, in my opinion. He's playing against the Chicago Bears, which is a stout front seven. It's going to be really hard to run against. And I think that the Rams are going to be blowing him out anyway. So I think they might run Sonny Michelle more than I think, but I don't think he's going to be efficient. They're saying now he's just now learned to play back, which is a good sign, but I just don't like Sony Michel. Maybe he'll fall in the end zone once or twice every other week. Who knows? I, th- I don't think he's good enough to be the guy there, and he's definitely not worth starting week one against Chicago.
0: So definitely too cold to put Sony Michel on your roster, as Caleb said. So he could be on your
1: roster as a handcuff. But maybe. not as a starter. Yeah, flex him on a bye week that you're skimpy, but do not start. I wouldn't start him against Chicago. That's not a good move.
2: I like to see that Sean McVay adds players that do them wrong. Basically, they lost. They got destroyed by the Ravens, and they were putting Raven plays in their in their book. Yeah. And then they now get Sony Michelle, who famously destroyed them in the Super Bowl. So so let's get them. Yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> wow, guys. Week one is going to be off and running. Remember, you're going to want to check out. Thursday night game, eight twenty. the Dallas Cowboys visit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A full slate on Sunday. If you haven't, we're big Red Zone fans. Sign up. It's not too late. You'll love it. You get to see every uh, every team that gets into the Red Zone, which is fantastic. Great way to watch football. Great experience. So you have a full day on Sunday as well. The Sunday night game this week will be the Chicago Bears versus the Los Angeles Rams. That's eight twenty on NBC. And, of course, we've already mentioned it several times. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens will be visiting the Las Vegas Raiders, and that is the Monday night football game on ESPN. So, guys, it is a hot, hot week starting out for week one. Next week, make sure that you tune in. We will recap week one for you, and we will also preview the upcoming week two right here on Guys Without Helmets.